Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome, we're on the edge with April Mahoney and Lisa Anna Palmer from Canada, Ottawa, Canada, please. Okay, I used to work in Canada. I love it. I told her I can't wait to come and visit her and get a good donut from Tim Hortons and have a cup of hot chocolate. But what we want to talk about is uh, today, we want to talk about leadership. And I'm going to go deep because I'm not going to cut her no slack. What is leadership? Okay, it's not a bull by the horns. It's not this. Okay, that's not what it is. No, it's a construct. It's a mindset. But with a good leader, you have to have good followers, and you have to be a good example. You have to want the best for your team, more so than you want for yourself. I had a leader tell me one time that he wanted me to be the bridge that carried other people safely across. I thought that was so beautiful. A room serene. I'll never forget it. And he was a gazillionaire and one of the kindest people I knew, but because he paid it forward. So what does leadership look like uh, in the business world, in our personal life, with our children? How do we lead ourselves? Well, Lisa Anna is going to lead us in that conversation. So Brains, help me welcome her to the edge. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. So happy to be here, April. I'm so happy to have you. I'm really excited about this because, you know, people use that big $25 word. Oh, leadership and mind shift and authentic and organic and all this kind of stuff. But really, when you do the deep dive, what does that mean? What does yeah. leadership mean to you? Yeah. And, I, you know, that's exactly it. What does leadership mean to you? I think every person needs to ask themselves that because I believe that leadership you know, it's in all ages, all backgrounds, all levels. And it really is a decision on how I want to manifest that energy that wants to do good in the world. Because that's really what I believe leadership is at the crux of it. You know, like you said, there's lots of labels, lots of different ways of talking about it. But it's that energy that wants us to do good. And how we manifest that is a choice. Well, you know, leadership also is a person that's a risk taker and, Absolutely. and mm -hmm. a person that doesn't have the super duper ego. Mm -hmm. no, you want, you want to build a team, you know, you want to be the, the engine that pulls the train. Right. You know? Right. But even, but even if you, you're the, the engine of the train, you still need a caboose. Absolutely. And that's it, right? Everybody needs to play their part and figure out what that means. And it becomes a choice in terms of, do I want to be a self-leader more than I do an informal leader or a formal leader, which is what we normally think about where managers or executives in organizations, those are formal leadership because they have titles, that's part of their role, it's written out, and they're held accountable to it. And at the end of the day, it's like you said, understanding that people choose who they follow hmm. right but you become who you hang around too lisa anna 
Absolutely, right? So if you're a leader, you need to work on yourself to be the best version of yourself so that others around you can also aspire to become the best version of themselves. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people think about leadership as just leading people to do something, right? Right. Uh, right. But what comes into play is fear, like coercing Absolutely. people to do something, manipulating people to do something. That's not true leadership. That's something else. Intimidation or intimidation. or bullying right. and all that. Right. So how did you find yourself in this space? Tell us a little bit about your history and your background. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the daughter of uh, Italian immigrants who came to Canada. My dad uh, was a cement finisher. He had a small company in a town called Joliet in Quebec. Um, my mom was helping him, was a homemaker, uh, awesome cook. She's still around. My dad's passed on, unfortunately. Uh, although a lot of his lessons stayed with me. And I, I believe that's why I'm an entrepreneur. I was inspired by him. Um, then I, I grew up and decided I wanted to come to Ottawa. I followed my sister and my brother. They're, uh, they're 10 and 12 year, years older than me. So I wanted to be around them all the time. So I came to school here and met my husband, uh, Andrew. And, uh, you know, we're lifelong friends, best friends. And we have a son named Jake. He's, he's 20. And uh, the way I got interested in leadership is that my career path started out uh, in human resources management, organizational design, organizational renewal. Uh, I was working for a big six firm at 22, stayed there for, for about six oh. years. Yeah. Um, then I went to work uh, in Crown Corporations, which are federal employers here in, in Canada. And then I burnt out three times by the time I was 38. So I burnt out when I was around 27, 28, working for the consulting firm, then again, you know, two other times. And, uh, you know, I, I've been taken to the hospital three times uh, in an ambulance in my life. Uh, the last time was because I broke my arm and leg during the pandemic, which is a different story. But the first two times was because I was so burnt out. I thought, I felt like I was dying. So, so were you, you know, were you having like panic attacks and anxiety, just over stressed? Um, no, it was, it was actually very physical. Uh, so yeah, anxiety was part of it, but I was, I got so anxious to the point where my, the last time was my, my stomach turned into like a knot and I couldn't eat for two weeks and I was dehydrated. Um, and uh, I ended up getting a hiatal hernia because you know, that's what happens oftentimes is people get sick because of what happens to them at work and they bring that stress home with them and it affects the body. There's, there's a very, very close, uh, you know, mind and body connection and the emotions and how we take care of ourselves and our heart. So well, let me ask you, let me, let me stop you there just for a minute and ask you a question. Um, were you experiencing maybe the overachiever syndrome? Did you feel that you know, that you had something to prove, not maybe that the pressure of the job, but you know, I really want to do a good job. I really want to be, you know, recognized, rewarded. You know, what, what was this adrenaline drive yeah. that was pushing, pushing you? You know, cause I thought about it. I'm like, was I workaholic? It was like, I, it's not like I desired to work 12, 14 hours a day, especially when I had a toddler at home. Uh, it's more like I felt pressure. I didn't know how to say no or set boundaries. And I felt this over-exaggerated sense of duty. And, um, and I, 
I, I take ownership in that I feel that I was not being a good self leader. I was not taking care of myself. And at the same time, that was met up by people in the organization and leadership roles and top management who could have done better. Right. And, uh, and I think that combination happens a lot in workplaces. So you got the person who's like just going through the, the answering the, the demands of the rat race, trying to meet deadlines, forgetting that they have a body that they need to take care of, that they need a mind to take care of, that they have a heart to take care of. And, um, and then that leads to burnout and, and so, many other illnesses. Yeah. Okay. So you get this burnout syndrome mm -hmm. and you say, you know what? I'm sick. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you come home and you tell your husband, cause I did that. <laughs> I, was, I left a meeting, girl. I didn't do nothing, but went to my desk to grab my purse and my keys. I was gone. I come home mm -hmm. and I told my husband, I had enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of relief. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also in some people, there's a sense of failure. Like mm -hmm. I didn't complete a task or you know, was I really good enough or was I really worthy? What kind of things rattled through your mind after yeah. you? Uh, it wasn't failure. It was more like, I want a different life. So I was getting close to 40. I'm 51 now, but I was getting close to 40. And so I think I was hearing, you know, the clock ticking and uh, all around me, I was hearing people talk about, oh, I've only got 15 years to go to retirement. I got 10 more years to go to retirement. And then when I thought I got 15 or 20 years to go to retirement, I, that's what scared me, actually. I'm like, no way. I'm like, there's no way I'm continuing in this kind of context for another 15 years. Uh, I didn't do anything wrong to anybody that I deserve to be put in jail. So I, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and this felt like a jail uh, in terms of, it's not like I had really bad relationships at work. I had good relationships. But I, I, I succumb to pressure easily. Like I, I didn't say no. I would accept any kind of work that would come my way. And they just kept piling it on. I mean, I, I was acting director for, for a good uh, over a year, uh, no, close to a year. Um, and then at the same time, they had me doing two other jobs. You okay, know wait, wait, saying? wait. You said acting director. Yeah. Did you yeah. actually have the title of director or were you, were you put in that role? So I was put in that role because they were looking for somebody and it was supposed to be a month. It ended up being like closer to nine months. And I didn't want necessarily at the time because I had a toddler at home and I wanted to be with him. And, uh, but you know, it's like, oh, nobody else. Could, because I had the consulting training, that background. Right, uh, right. right. So I had the training, the background and, and I, 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 was put, I was a high performer. So I, you know, they had told me I was Sometimes on the track. That, that is where we have to push the button men exactly. and women okay yeah. they will put you in these roles you know make you feel good give you all the, the yes. responsibilities Absolutely. but then when it comes to actually ticking the box and making you that person right. there's something different and once you get in that role you know i remember i was envious of, of uh one of my employees one of my co-workers that had got promoted over me and when i actually saw what she had to do when she got that job i was so glad that it wasn't me it, 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 I, honestly, April, it was the worst nine months of my life. You know what I'm saying? Terrible. What yeah. would you say are maybe three key traits that a strong leader should have in an organization? Yeah. 
what, what I've observed is uh, in my work in, in HR and advising vice presidents and coaching employees and now coaching executives is what sets great leaders apart is their ability to connect at the human level through compassion, courage, and competence. Mm. Yeah. Compassion, caring, courage, and competence. And competence. Yeah. So compassion. Let's look at compassion for a minute. People would say, well, I don't have time to coddle you. Mm-hmm. I need the work done. I don't have time for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Courage. You need to have courage to speak up for yourself. Mm-hmm. I would say compassion. Mm-hmm. Have compassion for the people that work for you. You know, you never know what's going on in somebody's uh, work environment. They could be a domestic or violence abuse. They could have a disabled family member. They could really be, you know, financially struggling. Yeah. Engage in that and dialogue. Have that dialogue, have that conversation. But, you know, corporations, now they're doing kindness now here. They're really putting that back into play. But they, a lot of these companies want you to churn and burn. They don't have time for babysitting. They're looking at the bottom dollar. How do we create a recipe for success and balance that out? You know, it's very short-sighted to think that when you burn your, your best assets out, that you're going to succeed long-term. Mm. How does that even make any sense, right? So... Think about it. When who who creates the work? Who who achieves the results? It's the people in your organization. That's right. And if you're killing them because you know what, April, there's estimates that 2.4 million people every year around the globe die as a result of work-related illnesses, stress-related illnesses. My husband and, retired from the military. Really, can he retire from the military? Right. He's about to retire from the police department. And I told him, I said, you know what? He's ticking off the days. And I said, baby, if you need to call in sick, take a mental health day. I don't want people looking over in your coffin and saying, oh my God, he was such a good worker. Right, right. And and the thing is, is that when we are, and compassion is uh, is really empathy plus a desire to help. So Mm -hmm. when you have compassion for your employees, you have empathy for them and you want to help them be their best, right? So you attend to, you know, what do you need? What kind of support? Do you need training, equipment? Do you need me to help you balance your schedule better? So do you need me to have the courage to say no to senior management when they keep pumping work our way and it's not reasonable? So all those things, and that's why I talk about connection is compassion, courage, and competence, you know? And uh, coming back to the idea that, you know, treating your employees nicely is going to hurt your bottom line. I'm sorry that this this doesn't hold water, right? In order to be able to realize the best possible results, you need to treat your employees with care. You need to make sure they have what they need, that you're inspiring them, and that you're creating opportunities for them to be the best version of themselves as well. And yeah, and, and the, and when, when you look at, what's going on in a lot of workplaces. And I am happy to see that there's more focus on this. And I think because of what happened with the pandemic, it's really forced the issue. Oh, and the great resignation, honey, because people just said, I'm not even going back. I don't care. I'll sleep in the park and eat grass. I am not going back to that brick and mortar. Interesting statistic I heard the other day is that 70% 
of people would rather like continue uh, working from home or actually having a choice whether they work from home hybrid in person to have that authority to, to decide where I'm going to give my best they'd rather have that than accept a promotion mm -hmm. right flexibility so, right and when promotions feel like you're being led to the gallows suddenly those promotions don't look so interesting right if we look at what's going on in the workplace right now there are polarized views people are traumatized because you know whatever happened to them during the pandemic or even before um so we we need as leaders to understand to try to connect with our people at the human level see what's going on and seeing how we can unleash uh, their potential while supporting them through this period, we need to be those beacons, right? And you know what? When when you do that for your employees, they're gonna they're gonna have your back. They're gonna be much better with your clients. And of course, when they're better with clients, shareholders are happy too because that's when you know the profits go up. Well, the thing about it is too is I tell people, you know, they go on interviews now. They'll say, well, where do you see yourself in five years? You know what I used to tell them? I said, I hope I'm still employed. <laughs> right. But I'm right. not going to sit up here and say, oh, I want to be the manager or I want to own the company or this, that, or the other, because what you want to bring to the table, the fact that you are an independent contributor, mm -hmm. that you are bringing your skill set, your talent, your way with all, your bandwidth to make this a better organization. And if you do that, people will work harder for you. It's like a volunteer. A volunteer is the hardest job you can have because you're giving of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about your book here in a minute. But before we get into that, I want to uh, find out when you go into an organization mm -hmm. and they consult you, they have you to come in and, you know, kind of look at the pyramid and, and, and what's going on. What are some of the things that you assess? What are some of the boxes that you need to tick? to kind of see where the organization is and where we need to realign and reshift. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm always looking for is, you know, one of the easiest tests or assessment is to look around the faces of the people in the cafeteria. It's Ooh. to go see, walk down the hall, see what sense you get. You know, we spend a lot of time and energy and money on, uh, you know, employee satisfaction surveys, which are great, you know, provided that the employees are responding within a, play, a, a safe space where they feel comfortable telling the truth on paper. But, you know, I always, when I, I, I remember working with a VP and I said, hey, I just did an employee engagement study. I went down to the cafeteria and spent an hour there and I looked around. People are not looking happy. They're gossiping. They're complaining about their work. You know, they're, they're staying extra time because they're upset. So you need to look at that. You need to do something about it. So definitely looking at, you know, what's employee morale and not just looking at it from a survey perspective, because surveys are very superficial. And now people sometimes have lost trust of them. So, uh, and, and there's reasons for that. For example, managers uh, who want to drill down on results, so they could see who says what. So I would look for, you know, do people feel safe in that environment? Are they open? Are they relating? Does it feel friendly? Does it feel like people are engaged and they're jazzed to do their work? That there's a good uh, energy. And, um, and basically, one of the things that I like to do is coach the individual or 
conduct sessions where people are looking within because that's where leadership needs to start growing. It's from within, right? Mm -hmm. so, so there's others who specialize working with teams. I work with the individual leaders, be they in a group, but it's like, how do, you, how do we transform to be the best version of ourselves so then that we can extend that towards others? And looking and recognizing and appreciating diversity, equity, and inclusion. Absolutely. And okay, you know, people don't just want to be a headcount. There's Absolutely. so many women, there's so many Hispanics, there's so many people over 50. They want a seat at the table. Right. They want a seat at the table. And when you look at when you look at your workplace, when you look at leadership, when you look at the people who work with you through that lens of compassion, and when you have the courage to stand up for them, then you're 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 addressing those needs because you see everybody as a human being and you want to support them and you want to help them to be the best version of themselves. You want to make sure they have a voice. You want to make sure they show up at the table, that they feel like they're contributing to a, something greater, to a purpose. So they find meaning in their work and they find joy so that when they go home at night, they're energized, they're there for their families and right. they feel like they're a part of something, not a side. They, they feel respected. And that's what people respected. want. They Absolutely. want the big, they want the big R, like Aretha Franklin said, yes. R-E-S-P-C-T. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You want to be seen, heard, and respected. Absolutely. So let's talk about the great compilation, the book. Let's see the book. I want to hear all about it. And you're going to read us an expert, an excerpt. It says, light a fire in their hearts, the truth about leadership, a guide for, I'm trying to see. A guide for engagement using the wisdom that sets great leaders apart. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so again, you know, I put my fingers in my noses. It's not leading a bull by the, by the nostrils or by the horn. But it, again, it's all these things we talked about. This is the recipe for success. So what made you write the book? Yeah. And then I want you to read us an excerpt. Yeah. So, so what inspired me to write the book is really having ideas and thoughts about how we can do things better because of the work I've done, you know, my entire career, I devoted myself to helping people get along better in workplaces to find meaning in work to, you know, for leaders to really engage their employees and, 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 uh, and be able to, um, you know, we talk a lot about increasing productivity, but it's more than that. It's about increasing sense of purpose, increasing the ability of people to connect with one another, uh, for a greater good. And, um, so what I set out to do was I started, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I first started writing the book, it was kind of like angry writing. You know, I was getting it all out. And you, it was, you were like, journaling. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was, you know, I was, I could say I was angry writing and I was getting it all. It was very much an important part of my healing process. Mm -hmm. And then it started evolving. You know, I, I started thinking about how can I reach the, the very people who need it the most? Mm. You know, your high-performing manager uh, who's been fantastic at marketing, finance, engineering, you name it, all their entire career. And now they're in charge of people. They just got promoted, but without a second thought given to their own leadership development, mm -hmm. right? And so that I shifted from being angry to being compassionate. And mm -hmm. I compassionate for them. And I said, okay, how can I help them? So I set out and uh, I, I, I read a ton of books on leadership and they're mostly the heart-centered piece because I think we do a lot with cognitive is very important of course there's a rational piece but there's a lot of that around so we need to balance that out so that we have the the heart and the mind working together 
right? <clears throat> and so I, I, I set out and I put out a call for, hey, if you know a great people leader who really connects well with them, with their, with their staff, who care about the people they work with and inspire others, let me know. And uh, I was just putting that call out wherever, whether I was at workshops or whether I was out, you know, practically doing groceries, wherever I could talk about it, right? And uh, and then I ended up identifying 30 leaders. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they range diverse backgrounds, diverse industries, you know, all the way from, uh, you know, uh, Air Force to uh, HR leaders to, uh, and fun story, I was actually at a conference where I asked a question of Richard Branson and he answered and wow. uh, used that to quote. And, he, and I asked him, you know, what's your best advice for leaders? And he said, it's to listen, 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 right? Wow. Those were his words. So yeah, so I said, it really is a labor of love. And uh, I think that um, if I may just read the, there's like a little caption at the beginning, which talks about, you know, a little bit what, what this is about, right? So it's love and leadership. The truth about great leadership is that at its basis, it is love. When it is mentioned in this book, it is not about romantic love. It is agape, the highest form of love, mm -hmm. the love for humanity. It is about caring for and having compassion for people and all living things, recognizing that we are all connected and we are all one. It is about a powerful force that motivates us to do good work, to serve and to accomplish something good through and for others, be they employees, clients, colleagues, society, or anyone who will be touched by the way we lead and by the fruits of our labor. It is characterized as humanity towards others. It is Ubuntu. That's powerful because that's what the world needs now is love. And you, like you said, agape love, it is the purest, highest form of love. Um, it's just magnetic. If you extend that, it's going to reverberate. It's going to create a frequency. It's going to be like a boomerang. It's going to come back to you and people will follow you. You know, I, I was talking to someone about uh, multi-level marketing and that's not my thing. But when you think about some of the great multi-level marketing strategies, look at Mary Kay. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't think that Mary Kay was an MLM. Look at Amway. Look at Herbalife. It was about building and supporting and encouraging and motivating, but also rewarding and recognizing. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. a hard thing to do now because people want to be rewarded and recognized in different ways. Some people take a certificate. Some people want time off. Some people want to raise. Some people want to be able to have more flexibility. So being a good leader is also providing options mm, and yes. looking at looking at the overall you know dynamic of your workforce what is the age are they more millennials or, you know doing your research on that are they more old school you know all of these things are very very important and what's most important is to bring somebody in like lisa anna palmer really because she's going to look at it objectively she's going to go in the break room 
and just sit there and listen to what people are saying. She doesn't have to feel like they owe her anything because they don't know who she is. They don't have to feel like, uh, you know, that <clears throat> they have to make up the story or they have to tick the right box on the survey. Because I remember those surveys and they would have them all the time. And like you said, the, the management would go back and they could drill down and pretty much tell by the comment section who was who in that department and who was combative and all that. But that doesn't create results. That creates more animosity. Right. You know, so uh, I think that you are just really on point, 110%. This is what we need. If you want your uh, organization to stabilize and grow after the great resignation, after what's happened with the pandemic, you know, all the political upheaval, the, the money is funny all over the world. We don't know if we're coming or going. And you don't want a mass exodus of your great employees. Do you understand how much it costs to train somebody? <laughs> yeah, five to 25 times their salary to, to replace people and even to try to attract them. And, and, and there's actually a new model that I'm developing. Would you like to hear a little bit more about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Hey, so uh, I'm about to launch a program and it's called Elevate and Scale Your Leadership. And the whole idea around that is, again, how do I work on myself as a leader so I become the best version of myself for, for me and for others and to be able to accomplish something greater? And SCALE stands for something. So there's five, five components, right? So the S stands for, uh, it stands for self-awareness through profundity. So in my book, Light of Fire in Their Hearts, I talk about profundity. So going within, because a lot of times people are offered a promotion or they go towards, uh, you know, top management without thinking about, is it for me? Is, is that something they want to do? Or maybe as they're, you know, as they're going up the ladder, they're being told you need to play the game to get ahead. You need to be mean to get ahead. Programming like that. So, you know, the, the self-awareness piece is super important to figure out who you are. And how do you have integrity with that? The C stands for connection through the lens of compassion and empathy. And again, that's that's helping people to create, you know, more inclusive environments where people feel like they belong and they feel like they're cared for and like they matter and they're seen, heard, supported. Because when I have compassion for someone, it doesn't mean I have to agree with them. It doesn't mean I have to like them, but I can... I can relate to them as a human being. Absolutely. And I want them right? Absolutely. And there's the A part, which is the accountability, which is one of the hardest things that I find uh, managers struggle with and people too, right? Because it, it sometimes it turns nasty or often, right? It becomes like, why didn't you get this done on time, blah, 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 right? So how about we take accountability and we offer it with caring and appreciation instead from with an intent to grow, to help somebody grow. And the L is for legacy and lifelong learning. And then we have the E, which is elevate and trust others so that they can grow as leaders too. Absolutely. So those, those are the five things that I believe will help us to elevate ourselves as leaders and then that we can help others do the same. In closing, let me ask you, in all integrity and honesty, are companies and individuals buying into this? It depends. And I want to work with the ones who do, 
because they have a longer vision, right? Because that's a big part. We didn't talk about that because we focused on, on some areas of leadership, but you know, leaders have a vision. They have a vision for a better world. So those are the leaders I want to work with, the ones who understand that you know, they're working with human beings and that they want the best for them and to make the, be the world a better workplace. And if they don't align with that vision, well, there's many other programs that they can take. Uh, but that's what I want to work with. And, and I get it. But those are the ones that are going to, like you said, they're going to sustain and they're mm -hmm. going to, you know, weather the storm and they're going to be great leaders and great inspirations for others, you yeah. know? So Lisa, Anna, Palmer, you have just been a jewel. I thank, thank you so much for being here on the edge with me and my brains. Brains, she came right here to visit, right here on the spot. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to pick up a copy of that book and how to consult with you. Brains, let me tell you something. I tell you this all the time. I have been doing this for 17 years. I have touched some of the brightest stars in the universe, that being one of them. Call her, have a consultation. You know, if this is something that you need, if it's not something that you need, but you cannot make an informed decision until you have complete information. Bottom line, give them your information, Lisa. Thank you so much, April. Thank you. That, that, that meant a lot. So you can reach me at lightyourleadership.com. So I'll spell it out because my Italian, my Italian Canadian accent sometimes makes it sound different. So light, L-I-G-H-T, your, Y-O-U-R, leadership, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P.com. So when you go onto the site, there'll be a pop-up. You can sign up. You'll get information about what's coming up. Join our newsletter and we can connect. And I'm also on Facebook. So you can join my community. It's called Light Your Leadership Community. And that's a closed group that uh, we, we love to welcome new people into. Well, go in, take a look around, um, get your sniffer working because you really need to be engaged and aware of what's going on, the different dynamics in the workforce, the kind of people that you're looking for to be a part of your team. Everybody's not gonna be a good fit and that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're not a good person. That just doesn't mean that they're right for you. But if you don't know what's on the cutting edge and what is innovative and what people's desires are and what's going to make them want to work for you. So you don't be arrogant and think that, oh, you know, I've got the job and they're going to want to work for me. Because when I go into an interview, it's an exchange of information, baby. You best believe that. This may not be a place that I want to work. You know, mm -hmm. I might go and sit in the lunchroom before I go into the interview. So it's right. very it's very, very important that there is a duality there and there's a level of respect from the get, from the get go. Thank you so much, Lisa Anna Palmer from Ottawa, Canada. Uh, I hope to see you here in California or me in Canada real soon. Brains, go in and see what you need before you start looking for another job because it's okay to work for a company. You don't have to be an entrepreneur, okay? But at least know what you want. And if you are an entrepreneur, you don't do it by yourself. You're going to eventually have to hire somebody and your clients are your customers. So you have to give good customer service and have good leadership. Thank you so much, April. All right. Bye, brains.